Hey everybody, welcome, welcome to my next video here. Today we're going to talk about gold, its price, and trend lines. So we're going to look at a few different charts here over the next couple days, covering both gold and Bitcoin, and comparing them to different trend lines. Um, gold and Bitcoin I think are very good assets to start with because gold, as mentioned in the prior videos, had been base money for uh, in the modern system uh, until 1971. But before that, for millennia, uh, money had been based on gold around the world in different cultures, different times and places. Uh, not just gold, also silver, copper, bronze alloys, but really gold in the last 100 years took the cake as the monetary metal to hold if you're a central bank and if you're a government. Uh, central banks do hold some silver as well, but it's not nearly, nearly as much, which I'll explain in future videos. And then, of course, Bitcoin is this interesting asset that came around on January 3rd, 2009. Uh, released to the world on January 9th, 2009 by Satoshi Nakamoto. And for exactly 14 years now, it has been running 99.999% uh, uptime, completely stable protocol. And it's a digital asset, the UTXOs they're called. It's actually the unspent Bitcoin or portions of Bitcoin that someone can hold in their wallet. You can hold that for a long period of time and come back later and know that it's going to be there and you can you can move it if you want. So it's a very interesting asset. It has some features that are similar to gold, some features that are not similar to gold. Anyway, we'll continue to talk about these things in future videos. But here I just want to look at something very simple, and that is a linear regression or a linear trend line over gold's price over the long term when it's been freely floating in the marketplace, which has been... Uh, for the last 50 years. Okay, so before we get into the real example, let's look at a little pre-example here. And we have this little diagram. It says linear regression on a linear scale. All right, so it's very simple. We're counting to 10. We have on the y-axis a dependent variable. Uh, y, you can see with the dollar signs, I'm assuming that it's price because most of our analysis is going to be about markets, although this can be done with, of course, anything. And on the x-axis, we have an independent variable uh, denoted by X. Now, in a lot of our examples, the examples that I'll show you here with gold and with Bitcoin, the X axis is going to measure time. So that's going to be time. And then over time, the price of an asset is going to change. So if you want to draw a trend line through it, very simple, straight line. Uh, you can see that, you know, the one is going to meet at the one, two is going to meet at two, three is going to meet at three, four at four. This is basically how a linear uh, trend line is going to look. Now, depending on the data, and I didn't draw that on this chart, but you can imagine just little uh, a price moving around this line or a scatter plot, a histogram where you can see different, different variables. Uh, if we want to draw a regression line, we draw a line linearly, just a straight line that goes right through the variables. Now, how do we do that? We use this formula y equals a plus bx so y again is our dependent variable it's going to depend on what happens with x which is the independent variable which uh, mostly we're going to be looking at time 
So x is there. The uh, At the end of the formula, it's the independent variable. Y is the dependent variable. And then all you do is you have these two other coefficients to help you solve this slope, a and b. So what is a? Well, a is the intercept. That is the y-intercept. That means at what point is the uh, is the trend line going to pass the y-axis? And then b is the slope. Now, on this example, I have a very, very simple uh, straight line. So actually, the a, a y-intercept is at 0. It passes the y-axis right at 0. And the slope is 1. It's just going to go up linearly and directly 1 to 1. Uh, whatever is happening with the independent variable with time, 1 to 1, the dependent variable is going to go up. Of course, linear regressions, linear scales, don't have to always pass the y-axis at 0, and they don't always have to go up 1 to 1. That is what the intercept and slope coefficients are for. But just to show you this is how it looks like, this is, this is what it is, and that's a linear regression. Now, this is only the first video of a variety of regressions and trend line analysis that we're going to do. So what are the other main types of trend lines? Well, there's four of them. So the first one is linear, which we're covering here. The second one is logarithmic. The third one is exponential. And the fourth one is power. Those are the four types of regressions you can draw over data, the four types of trend lines that you can draw over data. And the goal is basically drawing a trend line shows you, it shows you that the data fits or it doesn't fit. So we can have good trend lines and we can have bad trend lines, but we need to look at the statistics, look at the data to see how good it is. And then another helpful thing that trend line analysis allows us to do is to predict into the future. Now, when I say prediction, I'm using that purely as a mathematical word here. I'm not saying that we can use trend line analysis to always understand, always and everywhere, what the data is going to uh, do in the future. But it basically is uh, past performance, hopefully can interpret what will happen in the future with the data. And when I say with the data, I mean the dependent variable, what the dependent variable, in this case, price would do based on what the independent variable or time does. So again, this is a very simple example just to start out, uh, but we're going to take it back to the gold chart now and see how it looks. So I don't have the regression line drawn just yet, but I just want to say a couple more points on gold. If you remember from our first video, uh, we talked about how gold was depegged from the dollar fully in August 1971, actually fully, fully removed from all the statutes when the Smithsonian Agreement ended in 1976. But basically, in the early 70s, uh, gold used to be $35 an ounce before that. And then before Roosevelt, it was $20 an ounce, roughly in the American uh, era. That linking of the monetary unit, the dollar with gold, was completely gone at this point. So at this point, you start to actually have a market. They thankfully allowed a market. And uh, Americans could own gold again. They couldn't before this point. And the the market price started to fluctuate. And here we see uh, when the Smithsonian Agreement ended, uh, what was gold's price? It was actually $123. And what is this price representing? Uh, it's per ounce, per troy ounce. That's a typical way to measure gold. So 
as at the time the Smithsonian agreement ended, gold was about $123 per ounce. And remember what I told you the gold statutory definition of gold is today. Still for the United States, it's still how they value and measure their gold on the balance sheet of the Federal Reserve. Somewhere around $42 an ounce. Uh, look what the price was when the Smithsonian Agreement ended. 130 bucks, roughly. So uh, the market was saying very different things than what the governments were trying to say about gold and money at this time. And and that is indeed why it broke. That's why the peg to gold broke. The Vietnam War here, it ended um, in, mid uh, in the mid-1970s. But at this time, you know, gold really shot up. And a lot of economists, they thought that gold was going to go down. They really thought it was going to go down. <laughs> they thought that it wasn't needed and it was going to go down in price. And another thing to note here, I'm only at a monthly frequency. So though, of course, we had daily prices uh, in London and in New York and Hong Kong and all around the world, I'm only showing you the afternoon fix, I believe, the afternoon price at uh, the end of the month. That's the only time I'm showing this, so we're not looking at all the daily noise. So gold actually did peak here in January 1980 at uh, $850 an ounce right here, uh, but I'm not catching that because I'm looking at January 31st, 1980, where it's $653 an ounce. And a little trivia for you, you might wonder how long gold was at its peak in 1980 at $850 an ounce. It was about two seconds on the world markets, about two seconds. And then it fell back and gained a little bit of ground, but then um, then went into a long-term bear market from here. And one of the reasons for that was we had a lot of inflation in the 70s. Paul Volcker, uh, chairman of Federal Reserve at the time, raised interest rates to 20%. The federal funds, which is the main uh, bank reserve rate, which is something we'll talk about in the future, that peaked at 22% uh, in December 1980. And so these are things that actually, when higher interest rates come, that typically means lower asset prices. And so that happened in 1980. And then from here, uh, interest rates fell all during this period. And gold stayed flat until uh, roughly the year 2000. Then it started a bull run. But we are, uh, interestingly, hearing, at least for now, higher interest rates are coming from central banks around the world. Does that guarantee low asset prices in the short term? Does it guarantee low asset prices in the long term? Of course not, but they are signaling higher interest rates. And all during this period in the 70s, they were pushing interest rates up until they eventually topped here in 1980. So who knows? That's just a little bit of uh, information for you. So this is the gold price. People that are in the industry, of course, know this quite well. Um, but for those that aren't, maybe we want to just see, well, what's the long-term trend about how this actually grows? We see that during the global financial crisis, gold actually fell. It was $885 an ounce in September 2008. And then by October, it went down to 731 But then it quickly rebounded. And uh, in 2011, it hit, hit a local top, uh, close to $2,000 an ounce. And uh, it hit that again in 2020. Back to the point of the video, back to the regression. Let's go ahead and take our formula. And again, this is applied statistics. This is applied economics. This is applied finance. Uh, this isn't gonna be the video to explain how I calculate these trend lines, although I will 
try to do my best to infer the meaning of these trend lines. Um, but I do most of my calculations in Microsoft Excel and Google Sheets. So you can too, for sure, if you want to. So let's go ahead and draw a linear regression line based on this gold price in the last 50 years. There it is. So again, remember our formula, y equals a plus bx. How do we calculate those coefficients, the a and the b in this example, right? It's not a simple uh, example, one-to-one -one ratio, as I showed you in the, uh, at the beginning of the video. This has obviously a different y-intercept. In fact, this intercepts the y-axis at a negative point. Look at, the, look at the regression line. We go back to the beginning of the data. It's about negative 100, where the, this line intercepts the y-axis. And of course, the slope is, I'm not showing it, but it is uh, something different than a one-to-one -one relationship, clearly. Well, the way we do that is, again, with the financial calculator, Google Sheets, Microsoft Excel, applied statistics, there are plenty of videos out there to show you how to calculate these things. Uh, I just want to tell you that this is absolutely what I'm doing. I'm doing uh, nothing different. And as I told you before, the x-axis, the time, that is the independent variable. So that's also the x variable in the y equals a plus bx formula. One thing to note is you don't use dates typically when you calculate these trend lines. You use... Uh, a unit of time. So in my case, I'm starting with the Nixon shock and when Bretton Woods basically collapsed and gold started to float in the market more, uh, August of 1971, that's my time zero. Okay, and, and you count literally one, two, three, four, five as the months go by. So how many months do we have in this data set? It's uh, a little over 50 years. How many months? We have 617 months here of data. And so that is a key point. You have 617 months of data. You have 617 gold prices to look at at the end of the month. This is the line, and this is what it looks like. You can see that gold uh, was above the line for most of the time in the 80s, and then it's, uh, as it went to its bear market uh, in the mid-80s and the 90s, it fell below the trend line. It was below the trend line for, again, this takes a long time. This is a long-term trend. For decades, it was below. And then as the global financial crisis came near, gold rallied above its long-term trend line to where it is to this day, above the long-term trend line. The long-term trend line says gold should be $1,381 an ounce. That's that predictive nature of uh, regressions. But gold is about, as of a few days ago, December 31st, 2022, $1,812 an ounce. So it is above the trend line. Now the question is, well, is this a good trend line? Does this help us? Can we uh, garner any good information from this? There's uh, a statistic that I'm showing here that you can see in the tooltip and on the legend here. It says R squared and the R squared equals 70 for this regression line. Now, how do I calculate that? Again, with the computer, that's how I calculated that. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, R squared is actually the square of R. What is R? R is the correlation. Now, when I'm using terms like R squared correlation and this, these statistics, you got to understand that I'm not just talking about the line. I'm not just talking about price. I'm also talking about time. I'm also talking about time. So what correlation involves in this calculation is how correlated the time is with the price. 
but correlation is actually a little bit tricky to interpret, so I'm not even gonna introduce it in this video. R squared is actually easier to interpret, so we'll go through that. And R squared represents what they call a goodness of fit of the data. It's how tightly does this data fit around the line as opposed to something else. And what is that something else? Well, this, the something else is actually the all-time average of the data, it's the mean. We look at all this data over 50 years, we have this line, and I told you, you have to use a little bit of fancy calculus, it's not that hard, Google Sheets, Microsoft Excel can be your friend in calculating this line. But another important thing in statistics is actually just to simply look at the all-time average, the all-time average. So if we have all this data from the beginning to the end, what's the all-time average? I'll draw it here. $643 an ounce, that's the all-time average. Now you might think that number is meaningless, you might think that number is interesting, okay? If you've been around the gold markets a long time and you've been buying gold in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, your average price certainly is below that all-time average. Uh, as opposed to now, if you've been buying in the last 10, 15 years, your all-time price is higher than this all-time average. So obviously with finance, with stocks, with economics, with investing, everybody has a different basis, a different understanding, but we still have market data where we can glean some insights here. So this is the all-time average, is this dotted line, and then we have this trend line, which is a linear trend based on the linear regression formula, y equals a plus bx. What does R squared tell us when I've calculated it for you and, I, and I'm saying that it's 70% R squared? All that it means, simply, is that there is 70% less variation of the price around the trend line than around the mean. That's what R squared actually means. It means that as the price moves around this trend line, it moves around with variation that is 70% lower than if you looked at what the price was moving around the mean. Around the mean, obviously, as you can see, the variation, the difference between the price and the mean at any given point in time is actually quite, quite a bit bigger than it is if you look at the line. So from that perspective, we can say that the line has a better statistical relationship of price and time than the mean, than the all-time average. Another point that I think is helpful with R squared and why I think it's a little bit better uh, than R with these statistical comparisons is that R squared is 70%. If R squared was 35% with another set of data, and this doesn't really work in finance because there's usually just one price, but say, I don't know, we're comparing the health benefits of one medicine versus the health benefits of another medicine. You have two different, you have two different data sets, you have two different uh, studies, and so you have two different statistical analyses. Um, if R squared in one data set was 70% and in another data set it was only 35%, with R squared you can indeed say that the 70% data set is doubly significant. It is twice as good. It is twice as good as the R squared with 35%. That's how it works. You could not say that though with R, with correlations. Correlations don't work that way. So that's another, just a little tidbit to keep in mind with R squared. 
the next question would be, is 70% actually a good R squared? Is that a good number to help us judge this data? Well, from there, you'd actually have to look at other trend lines. And that's what we're going to do in future videos. So 70% may seem okay. And by the way, I haven't even said yet, the scale does go to 100%. Remember how I said before, it's R squared is very intuitive. 70% is better than 35%, twice as good. But it's certainly not as good as 80%, not as good as 90%, not as good as 95%. So what we would have to do in this case, then, if we wanted to find a better trend line, is we would have to draw different regressions. And there we'd go back to what I said in the first video. We're looking at linear here, but we'd have to draw a logarithmic trend, an exponential trend, and a power trend. Those are the four basic trends to see if our trend line is good. And then the final point to say about regressions here with gold is that you just want to do the eye test. Let's take the all-time average out. Um, it definitely follows the data over the long term, and it's always important with these things to have a lot of data. So we have a lot of data, uh, 50 plus years, 617 months of data. And this is both personally, as, as I've said before, uh, past performance does not equal uh, future performance and this is not financial advice, so on and so forth. But statistics themselves, of course, can never make this guarantee. This is not going to say that the price will definitely continue on this trend line. But this is just the mathematical way to do it. This is how you draw the trend line of a linear regression around something. So that's a linear regression. That's how this looks uh, for gold over 50 years. And the last thing to show you in this video is let's reset the zoom. We can predict as well. And again, I hasten to say prediction does not mean a guarantee. This is not financial advice at all, of course. Calculate your own trend lines if you want. Uh, but this is how this is the result that I found over 50 years uh, using the data that I have and using a linear regression. So let's just move it out, move it out on the X axis. Let's see what the Y gives us. Let's extend, extend, extend. And let's stop. At the end of 2030 just because it gets kind of absurd if you keep uh, if you keep regressing and you keep uh, trying to predict something so far out in the future sixteen hundred and fourteen dollars in 2030 so from here we go back to the eye test we go back to common sense we go back to if this is even meaningful we go back to the r squared of 70 percent the trend line in 2030 is lower than the price today. Uh, the trend line today is $400 lower than the price today. So is it a meaningful number? Are we, are we gaining any insights from this trend line? Well, definitely trends up. Mathematically, it trends up on a linear basis. Gold trends up and it has trended up for the last 50 years ever since it has traded freely in the market post Bretton Woods collapse. We can say for sure that gold trends up in a linear fashion. It does trend up. The question, which I'll answer in other videos is, A, how does gold compare to the other trend lines? And B, how does the gold trend compare to an alternative monetary asset like Bitcoin? That's it for now. See you tomorrow.